This is Harney's Offshore Litigation Podcast. My name is Ian Mann, and I am delighted to be joined by my colleague here in Hong Kong, Paula Kay. Welcome, Paula. Thank you, Ian. I thought it might be useful today to discuss privatisation. I think privatisation, particularly for Cayman companies, has been a hot topic for a while now, and given the current geopolitical and economic climate, it would be interesting to discuss where we think privatisations are headed. Is it going to be more or, or less? Absolutely, and I can't seem to open a newspaper without reading about privatisations of companies. I mean, what's the reason for that? Are there good market factors to privatise at the moment? Cheap deals out there for people? I think there's a combination of a lot of factors at the moment. You know, there are cheap deals. Obviously, a lot of the markets have gone down. Um, but there's also the trade wars, the geopolitical climate, um, and it's a lot easier to, to raise capital at the moment. And just to date this podcast, we are really still at the epicentre of COVID-19, I suppose we should say, and hence the pressure, the downward pressure on stock exchanges around the world has been enormous. And people have retreated into into really, really safe assets, you know, FANG, the big technology companies, and there may be companies out there who think, you know, right now is, is probably the best time uh, to exit. There's also more options now as well. You've got the different exchanges in Shanghai, particularly the star market and mm. Hong Kong. You know, we're looking at privatizations both from US and Hong Kong at the moment. Oh, I see. I mean, or, or I suppose another option is you might privatize off NASDAQ and then relist in Hong Kong or Shanghai quite a popular option. In fact, some companies have um, obtained dual listings, so the US and Hong Kong, and that just gives you then some some optionality, so to speak, in the future. Tell me about the trade war you mentioned earlier. How does that affect a company's desire to, to come off, say, NASDAQ? Well, I think a lot of the companies decide to come off NASDAQ in the first instance is because of the not increased regulation by so, but there's a lot more reporting requirements than what's required. And I think with the trade wars, they see that that's going to probably get a lot harder for them. Mm. Um, I, I know it's obviously not the point. We, we've had a lot of clients that when they've relisted, realise that the actual PRC relisting requirements and reporting requirements are almost Pretty more stringent than, too, yeah. than, than, than the NASDAQ, <laughs> well, so it doesn't always work Listen, all these exchanges are trying to ensure that they're fair to investors and protect investors. Um, I think that's absolutely right, though, to, to set the scene for all of this. And I mean, I remember in the old days, though, that, you know, young companies, tech companies, internet companies used to say to us in China, we just can't raise money in China because the Chinese banks say to us, well, on our model of lending, you have to have collateral. You don't own any real estate in China. In fact, all you say is you're going to create some business on this thing called the Internet. And how does that help us? And so they did have to go to the US in particular, NASDAQ, where investors were experts at helping tech companies, were perfectly willing to um, invest their money in, in the public exchanges. These companies have now done extremely well um, and perhaps don't need that public finance anymore. So it is really historical and cyclical. It's, I mean, it's fascinating, actually. So you get to the point where you're a company, you do want to privatize, either to go private or to relist later. Let's say you're a Cayman Islands company listed on NASDAQ because that's so much of our bread and butter works. So it's probably easier just to stay within that um, context. How do you do it? Well, I think typically what we've seen is is your normal merger process where you've got the company buying another company and merging together. So the public company merges with, with the, the private, private company, company and then it's off the exchange. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it always comes with the downfalls is what we've seen in Cayman Island at the moment. There's There's been the dissenters' rights, which we've worked hard to, to bring down a lot into their abilities there. But the other points that we have there is 
there's also the squeeze out, there's also a short form measure and there's a scheme and they're all very different. Mm. We don't see too many of the privatizations by way of schemes and I'm not too sure why that is, you know, there, there's a process with the scheme. There's two court hearings, you have a shareholders meeting for them to approve the scheme. Uh, some see there's a lot more risk there. Um, some say it's cheaper. The timeframes don't seem to be too much different with a merger, and I, I don't really have a view either way as to why they go that way. Do you, Ian? Well, I mean, I've always thought that a scheme of arrangement might be extremely effective, and I, I suppose you do need the slightly higher numbers of, you know, majority number, 75% in value mm. of the, the or these are the holders of the share capital, of course. Um, so that's a higher percentage requirement than the 66%, two thirds in a merger. But if you can get there, then you escape from the need to pay out fair value to dissenting mm. shareholders. So, I mean, potentially it's a bit of a missed opportunity mm. if, if you think you can get those numbers. Yeah. Going back a step though, Paula, I mean, for the 238s, when you do the merger through 238, you have your, your shareholders meeting, two thirds puts it through, and those that don't vote in favour, they get to go to the Grand Court of the Cayman Islands and they get to say, hey, uh, the value wasn't fair, court, please make an inquiry into this. Is that a long and expensive process for, for companies? Very much so. It's a process that lasts for about two years generally, mm. and I think that is part of the dissenters' aim for it is to string it out for as long as possible so mm. that the company is just, you know, this is a company that's working and trying to do its job and they're being distracted by litigation and people wanted to get mm. more money out of them and, and prove that, that the price that they delisted at was completely incorrect. Um, it, it's a stressful a, process. It's a legitimate litigation strategy, I suppose, and value arbitrage desks have been around since the, the 1970s. And if, if the value at the time of the merger was unfair, then they're entitled to that uplift um, and could be a very profitable endeavour, I suppose. It could be, and I think it is seen that way by, by a lot of companies now that we've seen dissenting in these process. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is a difficult process for, for the companies. Um, and you know it comes with a trial at the end of it as well, which which once again is more expensive and, and a drawn out process. Mm. So well, maybe we need to try and persuade people to use schemes a bit more. But tell me about this exciting process of a of a short form merger. Is that a sort of little neat trick you found? It is. It's something that's been done. I, I know of at least two companies that have done it, and, and it's all public knowledge. I think Chang yeah. Yao and and Jumei yeah. have recently done it, and it's 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 a kind of a, a combination between the squeeze out process, which is where you acquire ninety percent of the shares, and also a merger following that. Um, there's a loophole, so to speak, in in the legislation, or something that hasn't been challenged, so to speak, mm. at the moment, where because you have 90% of the shares, there's no meeting of members required. You don't need yeah. a special resolution to pass it. And when you have a normal 238 merger, what is actually required is the dissenters need to provide a notice before the meeting and then after. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if there is no meeting, then dissenters cannot provide their notice mm -hmm. and that's that's the logic or the argument behind a section 2337 or, or short form merger so it is a process that that allows the company yes there is a two-step process of making the offer getting the people to sign up and agree to to the price that they're offering and then they essentially it's a compulsory buyout for the remainder of the shares compulsory buyout so so like a squeeze out yeah. and, and and no room for, for a finding a fair value no. or seeking the court's assistance with that um, that is fascinating and I'm sure in the right circumstances will be used more and more because it will be put in as part of the calculation for the price of privatisation. If you think you've got 
you know, big costs coming up for fair value litigation afterwards that will, will inform an acquirer's costings. And I think just one thing to note is with, with all of them, a short form merger or anything, the, the companies are still going out and getting that financial advice. They're still appointing a special committee to make sure that, that the deal is the correct price yeah. for the shareholders and that is important. Mm, absolutely. Um, interestingly, uh, there are new risks in all of this. I mean, we've seen US litigation as a result of Cayman companies privatizing off a US exchange. Um, do you think that will continue? I do. It seems to be becoming more popular. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a short form merger, whether it's a normal merger, uh, shareholders in the US, and they're not the ones that are dissenting, they are shareholders that, that, that weren't part of the dissenting process. It's, it's like they missed out on the Cayman opportunity, so they're getting in the US, but it's, it's more litigation from a fiduciary duties point of view and mm. breach of the, the listing rules. Mm. And sort of securities type legislation, so yeah. it's on a sort of class action basis. Yeah, very much so. Mm. Well, I mean, we'll have to see how that pans out, but the, the idea of having two, two sets of litigation <laughs> in two different venues, one after the other um, consecutively, um, will obviously be something that you know companies will have to consider very carefully. Watch this space. The, the, the economics is ripe for more movement, and I know that people in Hong Kong are licking their lips at the thought of more listings here in Hong Kong because of um, you know the, the, the trade war and, and other things. Um, and they tend to use um, Cayman companies to list on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange too. And you know, with that, you have new issues because with every exchange you've got different rules and I mean people have said that the scheme of arrangement is probably the way to privatize off the Hong Kong exchange isn't it? Yeah I think that's that's the easiest way to do it from the Hong Kong stock exchange and we see a lot of those at the moment. Well we couldn't have picked a more topical issue and thank you very much for joining I hope you'll agree to come to another one. Certainly thank you.